Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Recorded live. Hey, I want to welcome everybody to the Softball Zone radio show. This is Tuesday, July the 14th. And uh, how's everybody doing? I see you're already on there tonight, Jeff. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, Ricky. How about you? Uh, you know, I'm just a little bit under the weather. I got to pick up like a sniffle or a cold or something. And uh been kind of under weather all day. So if I sound like I'm crying, it might be because I had to pay a gate fee to get in somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> So anyway, but yeah, actually, I do want to talk about that later. I actually, that's actually one of my pet peeves is people crying about gate fees. And I have a lot of reasons why. Uh, I mean, I've been involved in sports and all kinds of sports and stuff over the years. And, um, you know, gate fees has become pretty normal about any sport you're involved in. Of course, I think, but when it comes to girls softball, I think there's a, you know, a big issue with gate fees. And I, I know there's a lot of arguments in it, and we can talk about that later. I noticed this kind of weird. We actually have a West Virginia caller calling in, and I've seen their voice. Uh, West Virginia, do you want to say hello? or Maybe they're just listening, huh? Well, i tell you what, Jeff. Uh, you know, I talked to you last week and told you that, uh, uh, you know, we was in the progress of uh, looking to bring on board a uh, uh, kind of a full-time IT person uh, to um, do some uh, things with the form and, and modernize some things and uh, work on some projects that I've been kind of putting on the back burner. And I did actually find an individual. And one of the things that we're going to be doing is, like right now everybody knows me as I have two usernames on the form. Um, the softball zone um, is one of them. I use as a username, and I usually use that when I'm mobile. But when I'm not mobile, I usually use admin, uh, A-D-M-I-N. Well, that admin account is going to be actually turned over to the IT guy, and I will not be using that account anymore. I'll be using the, um, I'll be using the, the softball zone account only. Now we're still kind of talking about that because we talked about actually making his account IT admin or something like that. But you know, we're still kind of talking about that. But anyway, besides that, that's about all I've been into this week. I didn't really watch any softball this weekend or go do anything. I kind of made it a day just to go do something for Ricky. I'm pretty much, you know, pretty much from the time I wake up in the morning until I go to bed, I'm involved in softball. I'm usually adding members and and uh, answering questions and helping people and stuff like that on the forum. So I decided I just needed a break. So yeah. I took the day off and... Went to Hollywood Casino and played some poker, and I'm glad to report I actually made some money, so I had a good time. There you go. So, but anyway, so what have you been doing the last week? Um, you know, did you get any chances to spend with the new grandbaby? Did you get any time to visit with the new grandchild this week, past week? 
I did. I yep, I did. I went over and saw my uh my son and his family and uh helped uh coach my uh my my grand one grandson, my oldest grandson's uh 5-year-old uh, T-ball team. That's uh, I, I I will say I, you know I love my grandchildren and that and and I love coaching but uh, tomorrow's a, the last game and I'm I'm it's it's not coming it's not coming uh, too early <laughs> it's, uh, it's a whole different uh, it's uh, like herding cats I guess is what they say uh, coaching uh, coaching five year olds so most of them yeah, are just too I, young to play but. <laughs> I think I think my daughter's actually looking forward to being done this year too because they played in a rec tournament this past weekend and the tournament director didn't know, let them know that they had travel teams in it and you know her team is a true rec team you know they all the kids are from the rec league just they belong to and then to make it even harder they didn't even have a MRSA they didn't even have a run rule in effect per inning. So, like in her first, for her very first inning of her game, they were down twenty to zero in one inning. And, yeah, she said she just, she was kind of amazed that, you know, that that happened. You know, the fact that, you know, she didn't really mind that there were travel teams in the tournament. You know, even though it was advertised as a rec team only tournament, that she said when she went to the tournament director and asked them. Why don't you have a run inning rule or something in place uh, to keep from having it for the girls to be embarrassed so bad? And she said, "Well, you know, if you want to have a run rule, go talk to coach and ask him if he'll let you have one." So sure. you know, and, and since he's actually helped me with tournaments before, she kind of understands. You know, that's something probably should have been in place once they and knew they had travel teams in the tournament. They should have had something in place to protect from completely embarrassing the rec teams that were actually involved in it, which, by the way, the rec teams have supported that tournament for years and years and years. And, you know, just like my daughter said, she doubts that they'll ever go back and play in that tournament unless they're a travel team again, just because of the, you know, the way they had the rules and stuff. So, but I know she's, she really loves coaching and enjoys working with the girls. But I know she, when I talked to her Saturday afternoon late, she was telling me that, uh, you know, she was, you know, had one more to, uh, tournament to play, and she'd be glad that uh, they were basically none. So, so it just took one tournament for her, basically, right, to make her want to be glad the season was over. Yeah. So, but anyway, you know, I know that Joe is going to try to join us tonight. I know that John Kelly can't join us tonight. You know, it looks like... Uh, Everything's all squared away for you and me. Looks like we're going to be arriving in uh, Buffalo, New York, um, sometime Saturday, and we're going to be up there Sunday night. Hopefully, the rain stays away, and we'll be able to do another 1400 championship at Aunt Rosie. Yeah, I saw the uh, the latest forecast, and yeah, it's with up to up to 60 percent chance of thunderstorms both days now. So hopefully, uh, hopefully that'll change between now and then. Right. Yeah, I'm really hoping. You know that we actually can get it in. I know we want to go before, but, you know, that, you know, I'm really looking forward to, to getting this one under our belt. Um, that's a pretty good trip for us to go, to travel, uh, to go do a tournament. So I'm really hoping that the weather, you know, will treat us right and we can actually 
get a chance to broadcast up there at the Rosie's in the and determine to Dave Myers runs, so I'm looking forward to that. So, did you ever hear any? Did you ever hear anything? Did you ever hear anything more, Ricky, from uh, Corinne that was supposed to join us earlier as to whether she'll be able to join us this weekend? No, I haven't heard anything back from her. Um, I know she was really looking forward to doing the 16 and under tournament, and I just don't know what her schedule is uh, enough about her schedule to know. Uh, she's been really busy because she's trying to interview for different jobs and positions. And um, I did send her off a message. Um, she had asked me about the different age groups, you know, tournaments and stuff. And, and you know, told her about Orville and told her about, you know, doing the 14s back up in Buffalo, New York. But I, I won't say 100%, but I think there might be a conflict in, in the date. But I'm not 100% sure. Just for our uh, listeners that are not familiar, uh, you know, Ricky and I are, are uh, going up to the Aunt Rosie's tournament in Buffalo this weekend, as he said, to, to broadcast a 14U championship game there for uh, Dave Myers' tournament. And it uh, looks like we lost Ricky for a second, maybe. Uh, anyhow, uh, but um, uh, Dave Myers, he runs that tournament. It asked us when we were supposed to go for the 16U tournament uh, uh, three weeks ago um, if, uh, we, if we might have if we minded if we had a, a, a third uh, a broadcaster with us, and a young lady by the name of Corinne Genovese, who just graduated from the uh, University of Missouri, uh, was a four-year starter there, uh, was all SEC, I believe, her junior year, and she was going to be joining us um, on that broadcast. She's interested in getting into broadcasting um, on a long-term basis and that, so she was all set to join us uh a couple of weeks ago, but uh, uh, we're not sure if she's going to be able to join us uh, this time or not. So hopefully she can. It would be great to have somebody on the broadcast that's, you know, played the game at a, such a high level. Uh, Dave said she was the uh, the best player ever to come out of uh, kind of that western New York area. So um, hopefully hopefully we'll hear from her and, and she'll be able to join us or at least stop by and see us. Maybe we could do an, an interview with her. You back yeah, there, Ricky? Yeah, yeah, I think anything like that would be great if we could have a chance to do that. But I, I know that when Mary and her talked a few times on the phone, there was she was actually actively seeking some different positions around the country. So, uh, you know, from the conversation I had with her, she was quite the traveling girl uh, mm-hmm. at the time. So, you know, hopefully... Uh, we get a chance to talk a little bit here before the end of the week, and uh, we can get some things lined up to possibly do. And uh, you know, I, I would ne- I would never say that it wouldn't be nice to have someone like her on the show as a regular guest. Uh, I think having somebody you know on board would be nice. I know. Um, th- you know something I was going to ask you, Jeff. Do you know is Brittany actually? Done with her college career. Do you know Brittany Duncan's done with her career now, or Who, who's that again? Brittany Duck. Brittany Duncan. Oh, uh, you talking about uh, Bowler's dad, daughter, Brittany Duncan? Yeah, 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 yeah. She, uh, yeah, she finished up. Uh, she finished up here this spring. Yeah, I was wondering because she actually became a member of the forum last week. And uh, okay. I think I, I thought she'd be a lot of fun to have on the show. Uh, yeah, she'd be good. 
should be good. Yeah, I know I uh, Tim, Tim uh, you know, used to listen in a few times. I don't think a lot, but occasionally he did. So he's he's familiar with it. So. Yeah, no, you know, it's, uh, I was saying I didn't get a chance to go out and see softball or nothing this weekend. I didn't because I really chose not to. I actually was thinking about maybe stopping in this thing, Ray, just to meet Joe. Uh, if I could actually see him in person before I die. So I was thinking <laughs> <laughs> after his comment last week, I thought I'd better speed that up. And then I said, no, nah, you know what, I just – uh, I'll just stick around a little bit longer so I can meet him. <laughs> so, but anyway, you know, I, I just I do want to kind of talk, you know, a little bit about gay fees in a little bit because it's really something I, I really – I mean, I can remember when I was a kid. I can remember mowing grass, and this is just me. I can remember mowing grass for four days in a row just, you know, after school, just to have enough money to pay the $3 is what it cost when I was a kid to watch the high school team play, right? Now, of course, I was just a kid. I didn't realize that a kid was only a dollar, but I, because I seen the, the the gate fees at the field said $3, so I just assumed I'd have to pay $3 to go watch the game. So, you know, I, I spent like three days in the evening after school mowing grass for everybody I could to earn $3 so I could go to the high school game. And then once I got there and found out I still had $2 left, I was really happy. And, and my point is this, you know, I, I mean, I didn't know nobody was playing. No relatives were playing. I, I just wanted to see it. So to me, it was worth working and getting the $3 so I could go see it, because to me it had a value to it because it was important to me. That's how come I really find it shocking when parents complain and whine about paying a $10 gate fee for a weekend to watch your daughter play softball or pay $5 a day to watch your daughter play softball. Uh, I just I almost find it apprehensive that people would even act that way. I mean... I pay five dollars, and, and let me say right now, I'm not complaining. I pay five dollars to go watch my granddaughter play volleyball. That was a good fifty-five yards away, and you could barely see him setting up in a big high bleachers, right? And I only watched him play for thirty minutes. It didn't bother me to spend the five dollars to watch her play. Yeah, you know, you know, it's, you know. It's, it's, it's a little different here, though. I mean, and, and you know, I certainly understand, you know that. that the gate fees are, you know, a lot of tournaments that's part of the structure of how the profits are made in that. But, you know, I think a lot of people are making a point of, you know, you know, obviously people, you know, when you were, you were a kid and you were going to the, the football game or whatever, I mean, you weren't also shelling out, you know, several hundred dollars to, to have, you know, somebody already playing, you know, and then to pay on top of that. And I think that's part of the point here. Um, you know, and again, some of it's you know it's structured different ways. I know one of the one of the issues that always comes up here. There was I know Bob had a tournament this weekend at, uh, at this Victory Sports Park up here in the Cleveland area, and you know that's a private a private park, and they charge five dollars a day per person, kind of regardless of how many games you got or what's going on there. And and you know I know Bob can't do anything really about that because that's how Victory Sports Park makes money. But uh, and I don't think he gets any any of that. But uh, that that's expensive. If you got a family of four and you're you're going there three days for a tournament, 
you know, that's 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 sixty bucks. You know, on top of, you know, it's probably that a lot of the travel teams these days, I mean people are paying seven, eight, nine hundred dollars for their kid to be on the travel team. So um there's just uh, you know uh, I, I I get it. I mean I know why we have them and I know I was I helped some people. I didn't run any tournament, tournaments myself, but I helped outrun, you know, our organization do some tournaments and some had gate fees and some didn't. Um you know and, and it was all about, you know, making sure they had enough money to cover the costs and and yeah, they they are trying to make a profit, you know, for the organization putting them on and all the the people helping um, you know, parents and that that are doing the field work and stuff. So it's always going to be there. It's always going to come up. Um, you know, I think it's kind of a matter of, I think, you know, if some places charge, you know, somebody said here, you know, they paid $5 for the weekend or something. I think that feels different than, than, uh, you know, than paying $60 for the weekend because you're taking a family and, and you're having to go three, four days or whatever. So, Right. I mean, you know, and what I did, I, you know, and, and I get, and, and let me tell you, because, you know, we always had gate fees at the Jamboree because we had to, you know, we don't have concession stands, okay? We have to pay for everything we have. We get nothing, you know, for free. Your ground, mm-hmm. just, just example, ground crew for six diamonds, 3000 for the weekend. That's That's just for one complex, right? I mean, but the thing is, you know, I've always felt that, you know, when I've actually, when you sit down and look at the numbers, you know, there really ain't a lot left over unless you have a mega turn. I mean, the money-making turners and people that are making money are people like Bill Beckman. There are people that's making a lot of money during tournaments because they're getting a lot of teams in their events. So, you know, you have two options. Either you have a big, giant tournament to make money or you don't have a big tournament and you give everybody a nice facility, clean restrooms, everything that they want, uh, you know, temporary fences, good fields and stuff, and that all costs money. You know, that at the end, that all adds up. And I do understand that. I do understand this, Jeff, that, and I've heard this before from parents, you know. Uh, we, You know, we've paid $500 from a daughter to play on a team, and... We're coming here this weekend. We're going to get to see her play maybe half of the tournament. We're going to get to watch her play. And, you know, we're paying $10 to get in for the weekend, you know, for mom and dad. It's fine. Now, we never charge kids, but I'm just saying, you know, that would be their argument that they've already, they have already paid for their, their right to watch their daughter play by, you know, paying that $500. And a lot of it is because the coaches don't actually communicate it. I know we actually had this discussion with coaches at the tournament one time about gate fees. We asked them, would you weather us jack the tournament fee up to 550 per team and weigh the gate fees right uh, since a lot of parents seem to have problems with it? And almost all the coaches told me no. They said, how the gate fees let the parents pay? because it, they have to spend so much time collecting the money from them anyway. Now, you know, that's been a few years ago. I haven't heard that argument for a long time, but I can remember, you know, 10 years ago, um, that was one of the arguments I heard from coaches all the time, is that it was too hard to collect extra money from their parents to get them to do fundraisers and all that stuff, that they just preferred it to determine, you know, how to get fee, 
and pick up the extra money and could keep the uh, tournament fees down, you know, smaller. But another, you know, another point is this: is that, is that, you know, I can remember really long, you know, long ago when, you know, I would go past the baseball field, and I can remember it cost fifty cents or a quarter to go into like a little league field. You know, it wasn't much, but a quarter fifty cent. Okay, uh, you would have girls playing softball. Hell, there wasn't even nobody there, except for a few parents. I mean. And the reason was because the people cared more about baseball. And here's what I'm trying to get to, that, you know, if the people that's involved in the sport ain't willing to pay, you know, to get in gates and gate fees, how in heck did anybody ever think that a pro organization is going to ever get off the ground where they're going to have to charge fees to get people to come in to, uh, you know, watch a game? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But, right. I mean, me, but me personally, I, I think the number one, I feel like that's something that shouldn't really be that big a deal, paying the gay fee. I think, I think if you're willing to pay for what you get, and I kind of agree with one, one of the listeners that's on the chat board said, you know, when they're paying for a tournament in the 400 to 450 range or four to 500 range, they kind of expect gay fees. But if they're paying over that, they don't expect gay fees. But what's funny about that, um, you know, people will still go to them tournaments year after year and support them where they got $20 gay fees, but then they cry about it. You know what I'm saying? So they'll pay $750 to go play in a tournament somewhere and pay 25 to $30 to be there for the weekend. And, but that, you know, so, you know, if you support that, I guess you really don't believe 100%. Or kind of like the same thing. Like I say, if you don't vote, you really have no right to talk about politics, you know. If you actually support something over and over, you know, you don't really have the right to really complain about it. You can complain about it, but you support it. it does it really matter? Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, I, I know a lot of people think tournament directors make a lot of money, but I can tell you right now that there is not a lot of money left over when you put on a tournament if you do or If you put the money where it's supposed to be, there's not a lot of money left over when a tournament's over. So, I mean, I know the real numbers. I can, I got them on paper. Know what we've done with our tournaments, and you know, by the time you put all the right people in position, and you know, but then again, you know, got to remember Zanesville's kind of unique situation here. You have to pay for fields. You have to pay for lights. You, you basically have to pay for everything, but you get none of the goodies. You know, like you just take, like for instance, a jamboree. If I had the concession stands during the jamboree, probably wouldn't need to have the gate fees. You know what I'm saying? Really wouldn't need it. But since other people make the money from the, from the concessions and you get no, no piece of it, you know, you have to find money somewhere to do it. So, but anyway, you know, I, I don't know. Some of them, you know, it's, it's all part of the total price, you know, so I hate to get a pick on, uh, you know, Victory Sports Park here, but, I mean, so, so they charge the $5 per day per person and – you can't bring in your your own food or coolers or anything, uh, and they have concessions there, but the concessions are very pricey. So you know, people, some people are going to have an issue with that. You know, again, on top of all the other fees associated with traveling, you know, it, it just depends on the tournament, Ricky. I mean, there's some of the tournaments that are, you know, I remember when when I was coaching here a few years back, the tournaments were you know, 
were like three fifty, four hundred dollars or whatever for most of them. And you know, if you had to pay a gate fee, of, you know, ten dollars for the weekend, fifty or you know, five dollars for the weekend or something like that, then okay, that's and you but you could bring in your own coolers. Then you, there's still people complain about it, but to me that was uh, you know, I could I could stomach that, but um you know, it just it's all you kinda of gotta look at the total cost there. So if you got a private park involved, you know, a lot of that is out of your hands. You know, I know, you know, at uh you mentioned uh um I can't think of the guy's name down at uh that does a lot of the stuff down at uh at uh Berlin Park there, but I mean I know that's a city park and I think the city charges those gate fees there, so um it, yeah, it just add I, up. Well Berliner Park Berliner Park, I actually looked at using Berliner Park one time, and the way it was explained to me how the gate fees were at that time, and I don't know if it's changed, as if the city gets $3 of the gate fee, the rest of the proceeds go to the individual that's hosting the event. So that's how it was explained to me back in, say, 2009, 2008, when I actually talked to the city about utilizing Berliner Park, that three dollars of everything goes to the city, and then if you want, if you wanted to charge a fee, say like say ten dollars for the weekend, or but up there they have, they do it daily. But whatever you wanted to do, you tell them, and they would charge it, and they got three dollars right off the top. So no matter what, they're going to charge three dollars. Now, I've been up there a couple times this year. And it's always been five dollars a day, uh, uh, and now I was always by myself, so I'm assuming it was just five dollars per car. But I'm not sure if that's true. Joe's on now, and Joe, you know when uh, you do the gate fees up at Berliner, is it just five dollars per car or five dollars per person right now? You know, I don't know. But, you know, with as college coaches, we get in free, so I don't even pay attention to it. it there were like, there was a year or two there where they were trying to charge college coaches which was a pain in the rear end uh, you know I, I asked him do you charge umpires i mean i'm here to work too so but i'm not sure what it is i i because i just drive right by him yeah i mean, Berliner, you know, yeah i think Berliner is five dollars per car somebody mentioned that too on there so it's not for person right yeah i wasn't sure i just know that when i talked to the city about utilizing their, their facility they told me that they get three dollars per per gate fee. They didn't say parking or person. They just said $3 is what they told me. And that whatever mm-hmm. I needed to make above that, I needed to let them know so they could know what prices to set at the gates. I, and, huh. I, and I'm pretty sure I'm pretty accurate on it because I went up to the – maybe Joe can help me on this. I want to say I went up to the NSA World Series. Does that sound correct, Joe? Didn't they have them up there? For quite yeah, a year. We played there one year. We played yeah, there I one think, year. I think I think that I I I'm not mistaken. I think it was like twenty five or thirty dollars for a weekend pass for that. Does that sound right? Or yeah, that's no. something like I don't remember. Might have been. Yeah, it might have been. Uh, yeah, it doesn't sound right, but it might have been. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was relatively expensive to go up because I wanted to go and walk around. And I mean, I paid what it was, but it might have been twenty or twenty-five dollars or thirty dollars. But I thought it was kind of expensive, um, you know, myself. But then again, I think 
if I'm not mistaken, I, I'm thinking they brought in three and four hundred teams, didn't they, for that? I mean, uh, they did some big numbers. Yeah, it's a big, it's a huge tournament. But I don't remember how many teams. Was it just one age group at a time, or would they do multiple, multiple age groups at the same time? I thought they had multiples when I was there, but I could be wrong. We were there in 2006. My daughter was playing 16U, and they went to the NSA Nationals there. But I don't remember if there were other teams there or not. Maybe there were, maybe there weren't. If there if there were, there weren't that many. If, if there were not that other age groups, there were not definitely not that many teams. But if there were all their different age groups, and I yeah, there could there could be that many teams. Right. Well, speaking of big tournaments, I know that Joe um, has probably spent uh, most of your weekend at Stingray. Would I be wrong on that? Um, no, you would not be wrong. You would be exactly right. Um, <laughs> yeah, that uh, was at the NFCA thing Thursday and then went over to Burliner for All-Star Games Thursday night. And then I was at the Stingray's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Well, you know, Joe, since you're a college coach, you know, and you have a lot of people always Asked how many college coaches did somebody see at a so tournament? So you know, when you was there, did you notice a lot of familiar coaches that you know you you were aware of that were there and present while you were there? Or? Um, you, 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 college coaches, you say, or yeah, college coaches. Yeah, that um, yeah, that uh, trying to, th- and yeah, it was the typical crowd <laughs> that shows up at. Uh, yeah, but it, it, it seems like it's a lot of the same of us coaches every week that, you know, in the Ohio, maybe Indiana, Michigan area. Um, and, you know, of course, at Stingrays, you know, I saw over at Hilliard where they had the 14-unders. I saw Ohio State, Purdue, Kentucky. That, I'm trying to think of I'm sure there were some other ones, but those are the big ones that I saw. Um, but, you know, then a whole bunch of us, uh, smaller D1s, D2s, D3s, NAIAs. And just there's you know a ton of them that go to Stingray, so I saw tons of them there. Yeah, I mean a Stingray, that's almost an absolute for you, ain't it? I mean, as far as for being a Division Two coach and being located in uh, Michigan, I mean, you know, I would think anybody within you know why would you say 150 turn mile range of a college coach probably would want to be there, especially in D two and down, wouldn't they? Yeah, I would think so within, you know, roughly, you know, 200 mile range, especially, especially as you go north and as you go east uh and even south, I guess. You know, as you go up towards Chicago, you know, Chicago might be well, that might be 300 miles, but yeah, roughly 200 mile range. It's, you know, I would think most coaches would have been at Stingrays. So, I, mean, I don't know how many coaches they had, but it was uh yeah, I mean, they're just, you know, they were everywhere. Did they primary... have... oh, go ahead. I'm just going to ask Joe with the with the uh, primary reason you have so many coaches being at Stingrays because of the uh, selectivity, I guess, of the teams that uh, that, are, that are you know pick are invited to go there. Yeah, to go yeah, there? That's pretty, yeah, that's pretty much it because you know, um, pre, you know, pretty pretty much every single game is going to be a good game. Um, the overwhelming majority of girls who write to you who are going to be playing playing at Stingrays. You know, are, are are well worth watching in 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 the sense that you know there's a decent chance they might be good enough that you want to recruit them. Um, so mm-hmm. it's it, just the overall quality. It, it's you know, the, um, I was even out in Colorado and I wasn't in Boulder where the very top teams play, but 
I was at fireworks, and Stingray provi- Stingrays provides the most consistent quality of teams. So, um, it, like like Ricky said, it's really just a must, I think, for us at D2, NED3, or NAIA, and at least the Ohio D1s, with maybe the exception of Ohio State, but they were there too. So, what did you, uh, you know, I know that, you know, most of the time when you go to tournaments like that, you're usually looking for people that you're already aware of that are interested in going to school there. Um, did you actually find any talent there that you was unaware of or didn't know of? I, and the reason I'm asking you, I'm just trying to understand, you know, how often does that actually happen where you actually go somewhere and actually, you know, see somebody that you were unaware of and thought, wow, I would really like to see talk to that kid and I'm trying to trying to figure out just how often that actually happens and also at the same time for parents and students out there understand that you know the chances of being just plain discovered are pretty slim nowadays I I think it's not the same as it used to be where you know you had you would get more of an opportunity to be seen uh and discovered um you know, but did you actually discover anybody or see anybody that you was unaware of that you're like, wow? Well, yeah, I, I saw several of those, but um, I think I've only taken action or tried to on one of them. It's, it, it, Yeah, it's very difficult to just get discovered, um, and it's a little bit different for me because uh, as listeners of this show know, Hillsdale is academically extremely selective. You know, so I dis- I discover all kinds of girls at Stingrays, most of whom either can't get into our school or are not interested in what we have to offer. Um, so most of the time, me discovering a player, 99% of the time, me discovering a player is a waste of time. Um, I, there was one that, well, and actually I didn't really discover her. Her coach told me about her, and I went and watched her pitch, and okay, she's good, she's legit, and and, uh, you know, I've since sent her an email, and that was about 24 hours ago and nothing back. So um, it, it's really rare for me to just uh, – of the 15 girls on our roster, zero were just discovered. And, and I have, you know, travel coaches and parents and all, everybody, you know, a lot of people coming up to me with tips, which I appreciate. Hey, you got to watch this girl. And, and uh, us college coaches will talk about that type of thing a lot, that – it, 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 that almost never pans out, and it's almost never worth it for us to skip whatever game we were going to watch to go watch this girl that somebody has a tip on because there are just too many factors. Are we the right school for her? Do we have her major? Can she get into our school? Does she like our location? Just on and on. It just almost never works. So, um, so yeah, I discovered several girls, pretty much none of who will end up coming to Hillsdale. So. Um, so for the most part, I'm watching girls who I know are interested. Right. You know, since you coach college and everything, Joe, have you ever sat down and pounded your head and tried to come up with, how could I actually have a chance of isolating players that's going to help my program? Is there something that I can do or something you could do different uh, than what you currently do to help isolate maybe, you know, I don't want to say this because I don't want to offend anybody, but maybe to get a higher caliber player or maybe like division, or basically get some division one pitchers, 
you know, have you ever figured out is there a way you could do that or thought about that or that whole process? Um, oh, gosh. I, yeah, I, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure about that. Um, it, I, I, I just haven't given that any thought, to be honest. I don't know. Right. I mean, you know, I mean, if I was in your position, I would be, I mean, you know, and of course I'm not, but if I was in your position, one of the things I would think, uh, besides trying to build my program, which, you know, we all know that's what you're doing, would be, is there any way I could, you know, find a niche way to isolate some, you know, talented players that I'm most likely not going to get a chance at because the D1 schools are going to, you know, offer the rules and go, you know, gobble them all up. I just, just, well, uh, yeah. Um, for us, you know, our, our niche at Hillsdale, and, and most people I think know this, is that we are known as the conservative political school in the country. And, and that's our niche. Um, you know, I have a couple girls on my team who, who had D1 offers, but they, they and their families wanted Hillsdale. So the, the, that's our best niche, along with the high academics. Um, you know, most, I, I don't think it's a surprise to anyone that most colleges politically lean left, to say the least, and Hillsdale leans right. And, and that by far is our niche. And a great deal of the girls who get in touch with me and their families tend to be conservative politically and know of Hillsdale and know that it teaches more traditional values. And that's our that's our biggest niche by far. But you know, I don't know of any niche just within the softball world that I could really tap to um, to, to get those type of players, as opposed to all the other schools. Right? Did you have some questions pointing there, Jeff, about that? I mean, uh, no, I was just looking at. Uh... Sorry, I was a little distracted by some of the uh, the chat here in the chat room. Here we might yeah, have to I, I might have to take some care too. take care of some people there. Yeah, I'm guest twelve, but, not guest seventeen, or there's somebody else there. Yeah, seventeen, yeah, I, nineteen, I, I, and this last one, or yeah, I'm trying to. I'm actually trying to boot them, and for some reason, I I can't I can't I can't, uh, I, can't uh, um, do, I can't boot them. And the other thing is, if you uh, block all chat, the the thing is, you only have two features that I can actually use: this block all chat or not block chat. So I figured if I block chat for a little while, they'll probably just go away because they can't say anything anymore anyway. So um, yeah, it, that, that's kind of irritating, you know. <laughs> but whatever, I, I yeah, know, you just have to ignore them. Yeah. yeah. So, but anyway, so, um, but yeah, anyway, Joe, that's just kind of what I've always wondered. And I know that you have high academics there and everything and, and that. So, you know, you're looking for them players who got high academics too at the same time. So, well, anyway, let's go ahead and, um, why don't you go ahead and roll into, uh, I know you had, uh, I'm pretty sure this was the end of the pool, wasn't it, Jeff, or do we have one more week left? Uh, no, I, you know, whether Price said this was going to be the last week of it, and that uh, there were some people asking about if it needed to be or not. But uh, yeah, I can kind of go over that. Um, uh, so you know, I know a lot of teams are winding down their their seasons now. Um, you know, one of the questions somebody somebody asked a good question about you know, gosh, there's still 
you know, a lot of people are still going to nationals and that. And, you know, the issue is that this is a strictly an Ohio poll. So to the extent that, you know, you go to nationals, that's fantastic. But, uh, you know, you're playing tees from out of state, so it's kind of hard to judge um, that. So there's pros and cons of it. But, you know, the, the final poll in, uh, in 10U had uh, Lasers Gold coming out on top just by a few points over Stingray's 04. Uh, both of them had six first place votes, uh, 122 to 120. So, you know, in my in my eyes, those are virtual virtual ties there for for first. Uh, the Jackson Royals uh, ended up third with one first place vote, followed by the Stars 04, the Roadrunners, Thunder Elite 04, Storm 04, Sundogs 04, Valley Force 04, and the Lasers Blue 05 came in tenth. Some other teams getting votes for the Ohio Lightning, Ice Orange, Cincy Slammers, and Stingrays. So um, that's how the uh, the 10U poll came out. The 12U poll came in. Uh, so Mason Thunder, this was kind of an interesting one because this is the poll where the uh, Lasers White team, that's certainly one of the top teams in the state, uh, played a lot of uh, uh 14U and even some 16U this season. So uh, we know that some teams were not voting for them because they didn't consider them a 12U team. But they were a team consisting solely of 12-year-old players. Um, and they were coming out kind of second in the poll behind Mason Thunder, partially because of that. Well, I noticed that uh, those two teams actually played each other at Stingrays, and uh, Mason Thunder actually ended up winning that game by one run. So uh, I, I don't know if they played – you know, earlier in the season or not, but Mason Thunder did come out on top then with 13 first-place votes. Uh, Lasers White was second. Uh, OFC Heat third. Ohio Storm 2 fourth. Ohio Ice Red fifth. Uh, the Wizards 419 came in sixth. Cincy Slammers 2 seventh. Sundogs Ferris eighth. And then the Ohio Stars 2 and the Wolfpack 2 tied for, uh, for ninth and tenth there in a and a lot, a lot of teams with uh, uh, with with other votes. So Classic So Two and Thunder Elite were the were the next two highest. So so again, those are the uh, the final polls as done by Orders Pride. We appreciate him uh, doing that in the forum, and and that uh, uh, always uh, is always entertaining. So yeah, the, yeah, the polls this year were actually uh, seem like. It seemed kind of weird because the the laser team just could never. I don't even think they. I was. I figured they might be number one uh, at the end, but uh, I guess the voters say nay, huh? Well, well uh, yeah, but again, uh, the uh, the Mason Thunder did beat them at at Stingrays by one run. So, so you know, and again, I didn't follow them that closely all year. Again, they may have played each other. I don't think they played each other a lot because Blazers White was playing up a lot. But when they played each other at the end of the season at Stingrays, Mason Thunder did win it. So, so I, you know, on the surface, I would say it looks like Mason Thunder deserves to be number one. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, and just uh, real quick, you know, I want to thank Oil Pride for doing that pools. And, uh, you know, it's kind of funny because I think we've had more interest in the 1400 pool this year uh, actually doing one that I've ever actually seen. And uh, I, I think if you, they want to have a 14-hour pool, I can tell you what tournament to go at to have one. We don't even need to have a pool. Everybody just go to Far and Sky. 
and that will settle the pool for the fourteen and unders. <laughs> hey, by the way, uh, by the way, Ricky, the uh, uh, you know the Storm O One team that uh, that we saw come in the him in second place at Fire in the Sky, you know that was a thirteen U team, and and um, Stingrace actually has a fourteen U tournament and a thirteen U tournament, and I the uh, the the Storm O One uh, won the uh, the thirteen U tournament, so um, I think you know again they certainly have the results this year they. Uh, they won the Dayton Metro. They won Lasers. They they won that uh, the 13U at at uh, uh, at Stingrays with a lot of out of state teams. So no doubt, uh, you know they they were probably the top uh, 13U team in the state. And I and I also there was a, a, a and also a, a thread on there about the Storm All One that uh, I guess even before this last season started they had. Um, has agreed that they're going to be a bandits team uh, next year. So they're going to be part of the bandits organization. So um, certainly a great season for them and, and good luck to them as they, as they go on, they won't technically be a, just an Ohio team probably anymore, but that, that will certainly be a good nucleus of a, of a very, very good team. Yeah. You know something, Jeff, I've noticed that in the last few years, I've noticed the tradition to go more, I call it California style organizations where, you know, organizations uh, join together under one organization name. And I'm starting to see more and more now, and I've only and even noticed a little bit more of it this year. I don't know. Do you think that's starting to become a trend in uh, travel ball? Uh, I, I think it is. I mean, I, there's definitely, uh, you know, the, the bandits organization is, you know, technically uh, based out of the Chicago area, but um, uh, they've had – uh, quite a few of uh, uh, Ohio girls, and then actually kind of some of the nucleus of several teams. I know there was a Lasers team a while back. Um, I got a a good friend that's coaching their the Marini team uh, uh, this year, and I know he's got a combination of of players that came out of several organizations. Uh, uh, so yeah, they're you know they're and I don't think they played any tournaments maybe other than Stingrays, I don't know that they played any tournaments in Ohio this year. They were traveling all over and and uh they're certainly kind of the upper upper echelon of of players that choose to do so or obviously a cost and a time commitment to do that are uh, are going that that way these days. Right. Now I, I do wanna go off here on the chat board for a second because we had a couple of people ask some questions and made some comments. And one of the interesting uh, questions that someone brought up was on a thread that Joe actually commented on. And Joe, uh, I, I think you might have actually said, seen the discussion, but uh, Joe, uh, you made a comment on thread about Ohio uh, putting girls in when and where college coaches want to see them. And the the listener wanted to know if there's a way you could uh, elaborate more on that thread. And I, I guess they're referring to most likely the thread about uh, where some coaches, you know, uh, may or may not put the kids in because they have other kids to uh, to get in front of college coaches too. Would you would you like to elaborate on your comment more on that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, the thread was yeah just about what you said. Um, showcasing girls when college coaches are there to see them. And just my comment was uh, Ohio teams, and of course I always add Michigan, just the Midwest in general. Um, teams are really, really bad at that. It, it's gotten better, 
but for the most part, uh, when I and I think I, I think I speak for most college coaches, certainly us D two and D three coaches, um, for the most part, when we show up at a game, you know, there may or may not be a team profile. More and more, there is. The teams are pretty good with that now, um, and uh, there's maybe a twenty percent chance that uh, a coach or somebody is going to come and talk to you, hey, who are you here to see? Is there anything particular you want to see? Um, usually what I find is the coaches are so, I mean, and, and normally this would be fine. I mean, they're just completely into the game, trying to win the game, call pitches, whatever, um, that that's the whole world. But but that, you know, again, this is uh, if the purpose of a team is, is exposure and you're in pool play games with the idea of college exposure, you know, isn't that the entire purpose? So, um, so, in my opinion, most teams in Ohio just simply forget about that, and they just go about their business, and, you know, we'll be sitting there, and, you know, maybe a girl we're there to see is, I mean, usually they're playing, because there's only 11 girls on these teams, but uh, but for the most part, you know, I think the college coaches get ignored. Some may disagree with me, and especially as you get up to Division One, the, the Division One coaches are going to get approached more by the travel teams. And the Division Two less than that, and the Division Three even less than that. And that I'll just tell everybody that gets noticed. I mean, we notice that stuff right away. It's not a good strategy because most of your girls are not going Division One, you know, unless you're the Beverly Bandits or the top all team or something like that. But uh, most of them are going D two, D three, NAIA. But yeah, it's now you. Know, I, I can't help but to compare it um, when I'm out west, which I was for a few years. And if you go out there. I don't care what college you are. As soon as you show up, often it's the head coach, and if it's not the head coach, it's one of the assistant coaches. They were right out there to see you and introduce themselves and, and trade cards, and are you here to see anybody in particular? What year are you looking for? What position? What type of grades and ACT do you need? And, and then and they'll have 15 to 17 girls on their roster. If there's somebody you want to see, they get them right up there to the plate right now. They, don't, they just skip right through the lineup. You know, that, that batter may be six people away. Oh, we'll just put her up right now. And it's a whole different world. And that, yeah, we do need to see girls sit the bench. We need to see them, how they react, you know, when they're not playing, and pre-game, post-game. But we do need to see them play, too. We we can't tell whether we're going to recruit them if they never play. So, um, Well, that's, yeah, that's, one of the things, that's one of the things I, I've noticed when John Kelly's on the show a lot. And maybe this is something that we, we could actually talk with John more on and, and try to get this information to the uh, you know, travel ball community and coaches out there, is that when John's not actually coaching his team or his team is playing, he's out promoting kids on his organization. He's actually out there talking to college coaches and meeting with them, and he's doing exactly what you said. He said he'll be out and ask them, you know, what are you looking for for this, you know, what years? And he'll go out and talk to the college coaches. And I actually think what John does, uh, you know, when he's not being involved in the game and stuff, uh, is something to be really interesting to share with uh, our listening audience and, uh, you know, our forum members. Yeah, I mean, you know, John just has a ton of experience from every angle of this. And, and, you know, he and his team, from everything I gather, you know, they do it, you know, like like it should be done. Um, and, you know, so, I mean, he, he's a great resource for this. And I just can't it, – it's gotten a lot better in Ohio in the last five years, without a doubt. It's gotten a lot better. 
but but in my opinion, it still needs to get better because teams might be costing girls opportunities. Hey Joe, right, exactly. You know, for those, Good, Joe. For those top teams, and you mentioned about you know the head coach or maybe an assistant coach. I think some teams don't they have like a somebody like a recruiting coordinator or something that would do that. Um, does it does it vary a lot by organization how they handle that? Uh, yeah, from what I've seen, it, it varies, and it, it can be anything. Sometimes it's the head coach. Sometimes it's a designated coordinator. Um, Whoever it is, it needs to be somebody who's knowledgeable about the different levels of college softball and about the different colleges and, you know, academically where each is at. You know, it needs to be somebody who has done their homework and, and, and is friendly and is not doing a hard sell. You know, the last thing we want is a hard sell. That, that's one kind of downside to some of the California teams, a lot of those guys. You just know when they come out, they're going to give you a hard so, you know, It's like they're trying to sell you a car, and, you know, it's like, oh, <laughs> you know. So, but, and they lose credibility doing that. So, but, yeah. um, so it doesn't, in my opinion, it doesn't matter who it is so long as they're knowledgeable and, and don't try to oversell you and, and, are, and will walk away when, you know, you say, okay, now I need to watch here. I can't spend four innings talking to you. You probably get, you get some of those recruiting coordinators that are, that are primarily selling their own daughters? No, um, a couple. I, I can couple, think of yeah. two off the top of my head, of course, who will remain nameless. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but for the most part, no. For the most part, they're honest. They do a good job. They you know, they try hard to sell everybody, on you know, whoever it is. They, not, not sell, mm-hmm. but they, you know, they try hard to give you the information that, that, that you want. I, I've got one or two. I can think of two, like I said, that, you know they're going to talk about their daughters, and it's like, oh, here we go, you know. But but that that's it's, definitely the minority. In some cases, do the head coaches, if they're doing that themselves, they, would they actually spend you know more most of the time with the college coaches and let their assistants actually coach the game? That that happens when I go out to Colorado and out west. That mm-hmm. almost never happens here in Ohio. I mean, it does, but yeah. it's rare. Um, and and you know, I I used to coach travel. And for the right toward the end of my tenure, I would do it. But now if I had to go back again, if I had to go back and coach travel again, I would be the one doing it, going to the college coaches and and leave uh, the game coaching to my assistants, at least in mm-hmm. the um, because you know I knew our girls. I was not a parent. I could be objective. I knew pretty much all the college coaches, and you know I think they probably respected my opinion enough. So if I had to do it again, that, that's how I would do it. Yeah, interesting. We're getting, you know, definitely a couple of, uh, I think maybe some of the younger parents or folks that are on the uh, forum today. I know you're on the on the chat board too, there, Joe. It looks like there's a definitely a lot of interest in that, and I think it's really intriguing to people. And you know, sometimes I think we can get, as young parents, we can get a little bit too hung up on it. But it's, but I think it's important to understand kind of how it does work when when in your you know, if you have a child that, you know, has the ability and the interest in doing that someday, it's it's probably important to get educated and understand understand that. It certainly affects, uh, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, what, what teams you're, you might be looking at. And, you know, I, I have to admit, I mean, I was totally ignorant to that until, until my daughter, <laughs> until it was almost too late for my daughter. Um, you know, thankfully she, you know, I think she kind of ended up playing at the levels that she probably – 
would have played at anyhow. Um, but, um, you know, it's, I think there's a, there is a lot of education that can be done out there to help people. And I think to the extent, you know, that's, I know we'll continue to, to use you in that capacity. And John is a good resource too, as Ricky says, you know, because you guys have a lot of experience on both sides of that as both as coaches, as, as, uh, you know, as yourself as a college coach and you and John having both, uh, been responsible for that in travel organizations. So uh, can't can't talk too much about recruiting, it seems like. Well, that says a lot, doesn't it, when Joe says, you know, that he would let the coaching go to his assistant and he would be out, be the out front person. That just should show everybody just how important Joe believes that is. Yeah, I mean, if you right. were to be a, a showcase team, that's what I would do. Now, you know, if you're a team that's playing all local tournaments and none of the college showcases, and and the goal is to have fun and, and better better the girl for her high school team, then you know you don't need to do that. But you know, the tournaments I go to, like stingrays and the like, you know, those are college showcases. So if you're going to get into a stingrays, or even at Birdliner, it's called recruit fest, recruit fest for crying out loud. If you're going to get into those tournaments, um, you know, do do what you're there for. You know, which is to try to get your girls recruited by colleges. I mean, yeah, you're trying to win games, sure, and, and all that, but you know, don't lose sight of you know the, one of the main reasons that you're there. Hey, Joe, there was a question on here earlier. I don't know if you saw it or not, but somebody actually asked if you if you left Stingrays any to go over to the that other tournament this last weekend. Um, oh yeah, I did see that. Uh, no, I didn't. My, I had intended to. I had a list of girls over at Burliner who I wanted to see. But uh, I just didn't make it over there. The uh, Stingrays kind of helped take care of that by adding Hilliard as a site, which made it that much more difficult to get over to Burliner. Um, it, it just you just can't be everywhere. It's just you know I, I didn't. Any time I was at Hilliard, there were things at OSU I wanted to see, and vice versa. So um, I did not make it over to Burliner, unfortunately, and that's. You know, and I mean, I know teams try to get into Stingrays, and not all can, but, it, it, you know, the better talent is unquestionably at Stingrays. And so that's where, you know, most of the coaches are going to be. There's just no way around it, that, um, it which I know stinks for the girls who are at Burliner, but, um, you know, I, there's no great solution to it that I know of. I wanted, you know, somebody earlier also asked about um, getting into tournaments like Stingrays and that. And I know we've talked about that just a little bit in the past, but, you know, again, that was certainly an education that I got. Uh, uh, and I wasn't even that close to it when my daughter was playing. I got, I learned more about it after she had already gone through college and she and I started coaching some competitive travel teams together in terms of really understanding how do you get into those tournaments. There are, you know, again, in my opinion, Stingrays is by far the, the the toughest one to get into the state, the most competitive, the uh, and that is, is is the most you know selective, and you know there's a whole application process that that teams go through in order to get into that, and it's really hard. I think the specific question on there was you know about an 11U team, so um, you know and if you're an 11U team trying to play 12U, it's it's you better have had as a 10U team you better have been one of the top teams in the state. You maybe, hopefully you got into Stingrays when you were 10 you, or if you didn't, you, you, you played at a, you know, at a big nationals tournament and did well. And, and you played, 
against some of the other top teams in the state. So, you know, I think they, you know, there's always, it's, hey, it's no different than the NCAA basketball tournament. There's always teams that feel like they got snubbed or whatever. But, you know, for the most part, you know, and, and, and I'll tell you right off, the teams I played, I, I helped coach on or, or my daughter played on, we, I never was at Stingrays. So um, I could have sour grapes on it if I if I wanted to, but but you know I had to look at the teams that they that got into that tournament and they they do a pretty good job of selecting the teams that the top teams uh, not only in the state but in the in the region and that. So you've got to build your resume, uh, you know, for teams to get in there, and and that's something if you have a daughter that has the ability again and the interest to play at a very high level. If if you want her to play at Stingrays, she's going to need to play on teams that that are going to you know get accepted there. And and it's not uh, you know are, are there some politics involved in it? I don't know. Maybe there is. But again, by and large, I think the teams that have the best resumes are the teams that are that are getting into that tournament. Joe, would you would you agree with that or? Yeah, I mean, you know, and I know all the Stingrays guys. I, I don't ask them exactly how they go about choosing teams, but you know, they'll occasionally ask for my opinion on the Michigan teams. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and yeah, I mean, I can look at Stingrays this year, and I can pick out a couple, couple few 16 and under teams, and it's like, my gosh, why is this team in here? But, but you know, there's no way for them in September, you know, or whatever it is, to know exactly who the 48 best 16 and under teams are. Um, so generally speaking, you know, generally speaking, win. If if you want to get in Stingrays next year, you, know, you better be winning this year. Are you going to ASA Nationals? And, and are, are you doing well there? How well did you do at ASA State? I mean, and on and on. So um, you, you got to build a good team and then win. I mean, I did it. I mean, it's been 10, 15 years ago. There was a lot of work. But we put together a good team, and, and when we played in what we might think of as a second-tier tournament, we'd win almost every time. And then we'd play, you know, the, the NSA State, ASA State, and do well. And you know, next thing you know, you get in Stingrays. But it, it, there's no shortcuts. You have to build a good team, and then you have to win. That will pretty much get you in. If that doesn't get you in, then maybe there are some politics. I don't know. But if you build a good enough team, you'll get in. I mean, I've only noticed I've only noticed one organization that's that's actually had a winning program that's had trouble getting in Stingray. Now they actually got a team in this year, but they still weren't happy because they thought they should have more teams in. But you know, it, it kind of what you talked about is right, Joe. Before they had winning record, but they were playing in really weak tournaments, so it was kind of like. You can't really justify going to rec tournament beating up a bunch of teams as you should be a team going to the Stingray tournament. So, but anyway, um, I say, go ahead. No, I just, I just saying, I know I, none of my teams ever played the Stingray. I never played the Stingray with none of my teams. So, but I never signed up for it either. So, yeah, it used to be. I forget when they made it an invitational. You know, it used to be in the early 2000s or whenever you could just sign up, but but at some right. point, an invitational. And that, and you have to differentiate now. Nothing. I know the Lasers do a pretty good job of putting on a tournament, and they call that a an invitational as well. But I'm pretty sure Lasers, if you pay to get in, you get in. Um, they they accept um, you know just like you know pretty much all the teams that that, that pay the fees there. So 
you do go through an application, but you know, if if they are selecting them, they're you know, it's it's certainly not at the same requirements that uh, that Stingrays has, and and gaps gaps is kind of maybe somewhere in between. It's easier to get into gaps and Stingrays, but uh, but they, but they do go through a selection process, and and not all teams get in for sure. Yeah, that uh, Stingrays has clearly become. That's just as far as talent, the most prestigious one. I mean, in Ohio, there just isn't any doubt about it. So anyway, you know, we got to talk about the Stingray tournament. That's something we wanted to talk about. I think this next subject that Jeff wanted to talk about, we can go ahead and roll right into it. It'd be kind of fitting, actually, that we end the show on this (laughs) subject because it's talking about leaving or where is everybody gone. So, Jeff, I know this was a subject you wanted to bring up, and I really think Joe might have some good insight on this as well. So, go ahead, uh, Jeff. Uh, you want well, to yeah, wrap there it was, up? There was, a, there was a thread on there, and I know, Joe, you commented on it, too, and it's, it was actually, I think it was titled Where Have All the Pictures Gone? And, um, you know, Joe, I know you and some others have kind of said, gosh, it's just they're not seeing you know, the quality pitching out there, you know, and, um, you know, we were trying to put together, you know, I offered some, some of my own theories as to why I think that's the case. Uh, you know, is the quality and the quantity of the pitching down uh, or does it, or does it just seem that way? If it is down, you know, why, why is it down? So, um, let me just kind of throw that out there, Joe. And I, you know, do you have any, what, What's your observations about it, and 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 um, and, and what? If, if so, why do you think that's the case? Yeah, I I I think it really is down, and I hesitate mm-hmm. to say that because the last thing I like to do is to jump on these bandwagons like the conventional wisdom type things because I, I think <laughs> usually that stuff is wrong. But you know, I'm out there every weekend and. And every single discussion I have with a college coach, and it doesn't matter what level they're at, that the pitching, you know, if I'm if I'm looking for Division two level pitching, I'm finding what I think is, gosh, maybe good Division three level pitching, and so on up the ladder. And every discussion I have with them, everybody agrees. Yeah, it's like the, the 2016 class, it's it's just not there. And, and you know, even as I look at the younger ones, I mean, there are individual good pitchers, you know, of course, but. Uh, it, the the common refrain among all the college coaches is everybody throws 57, 58, and those are the good ones. You know, when we get on our pocket radars, I, I mean, yeah, I, I had you know a few at Stingrays 60 or above, but by and large it's 57 or 58, which is uh, unless you have really good control and really good movement, that's enough to get you absolutely lit up at Division Two, and you know, get you creamed at Division One. But that that's what's out there. I mean, it, there's. That's just pretty much it. I, and why, I don't know. Was it on this show, or I forget if it was on this show or wherever, but somebody had uh, somebody had given an opinion I thought made some sense recently that, uh, you know, with all the hitting lessons and, and all that, you know, maybe more of the better athletes are finally not necessarily going to pitcher with the male moving back to 43 feet, um, you know, and some of the glory going to the hitters now. Instead of all these one to nothing games, maybe some of the better athletes are just thinking, "Nah, I don't need to pitch." I don't know if that's it. Yeah, or not. I, I actually, you know, I actually, I actually said that in the. Uh, uh, some other people had some similar comments, so it might might be mine or somebody else's you're thinking of. But that's 
that was kind of my theory. I mean, part of mine was saying that, you know, gosh, I, I think I think two things. One is, is, yeah, there are a lot more people that are focused on hitting and everything where everybody used to kind of focus on pitching, uh, you know, so at the, you know, again, and and the mound distance does have an have an impact, I think, because you know a, a pitcher that was through hard, you know, seven or eight, ten years ago, you know, at forty feet was just dominant, and um, you know, I think that probably attracted a lot of girls, you know, going that direction. You know, they could they could be a dominant player if they could throw hard like that. You know, if you move the mound distance back, and at the same time that's going on. You know, you've got, you know, a lot more focus on hitting. You've got a lot more hitting coaches out there. You've got people preaching hitting. You've got more year-round opportunities for players. And and so the hitters get better. Um, as the hitters get better, the pitchers, A, don't look as good, and B, some of the people that used to be pitchers are now are now hitters. And, um, and you know, and, and, you know, as the, as the hitting starts to dominate, it's it's probably more fun, I think, you know, I think if you asked a lot of pitchers, you know, that have come up and have played travel ball, what was more fun, hitting or pitching? The lot would um, would tell you that they have more fun hitting. Uh, they they enjoy pitching and and they work hard at it and 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 everything. But um, you know, I just I just think there's been kind of a uh, my theory again is that you know you've got more girls going that direction. You got more girls going into hitting. The hitting's getting better. It's a little bit of a of a vicious cycle thing there, you know. The pitchers, meanwhile, are are getting you know belted around more and more, and and you know it's it, you know to some extent I'm I guess I'm saying it looks it it seems like they're worse, but you know they probably are worse. They're they're not as good as they were because you know, because some of these players have gone over to the uh, gone over and, and you know function more as as position players and as hitters. That that makes sense to me, Jeff. You know, but it's, I don't know, I'm interested in, in other, you know, somebody, we got some online here, we've got somebody said, you know, bats are, bats are hot and, and kids are put in danger when they pitch at uh, at 40 feet. Um, you know, the bats getting hotter, that, that can kind of come into the equation too. And, and yeah, there's, there may be some people that are, you know, some kids, some players, as well as some, um, uh, some parents that are shying their kids away from pitching. I tell you, there's another interesting comment that I just want to throw in there too is somebody brought up that there are really not that many great instructors. You know, uh, I, I don't really know since I never really, you know, the, the girls that I had pitched, I instructed them. That was years ago, but someone made a the comment there just ain't that many great instructors. Could that be part of the problem with pitching too or yeah you know it might be it might be that you know the you know back some years ago you had you know the people that were pitching instructors there weren't that many of them but the ones that were doing it were pretty good and now you've got a lot more people that you know again might be calling themselves instructors that you know aren't as good teachers and 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 everything so yeah, that that could. That's that's hard to quantify that, but uh, uh, that that's a good point. I mean, I actually remember when I was coaching. I think there was three different coaching pitches you had to go to in this state, and I, I don't want their names because I might get wrong. But I think one of 
But, I, you know, I'm trying to remember. I think there was one from Ohio, Columbus. I can't remember what his name was, but he actually did, a, he actually worked with like a, um, um, some of the better pitchers in the Columbus area. And then I, but I can't remember what his name, there was somebody from Cincinnati, but uh, the name, is Larry Goodpasture, does that name ring a bell to you, Joe, or is that something that... I, Jerry Goodpasture is the coach at North Canton Hoover, if that's who you mean. Yeah, well, wasn't he, wasn't he also a pitching instructor for a lot of girls, too, or... Um, you know, I don't even know. He probably was, but I don't even know for sure. But that would have been a oh, okay. Canton area. Right, and the thing is, I can remember back when I was coaching, there was only three really coaching pitches you even wanted to bother going to because, and, you know, let's we should throw um, <clears throat> John Wells in there because he was a really good pitching coach too. And, uh, you know, everything he did, he didn't do it. Uh, you know, he never charged for what he did. He was Donna Newberry's uh, pitching coach for many years. At Muskingum College, and uh, he helped a lot of kids locally. But that, that, that I kind of agree with that. I, I think that you probably find out there is not. You think how you know we we're talking earlier about you know the cost of playing travel ball and stuff, Jeff, and you know the fact that how that can cause people pains about gate fees. I mean, relatively speaking, if you wanted, if your daughter wanted to be a pitcher. It would probably be more expensive for her to become a pitcher and become a, a really great pitcher, a good pitcher, would probably be a pretty expensive road to travel, wouldn't you think? No, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, we had a comment on the forum, and it reminded me of something that I had said, too, in my post with, with uh, you know, softball farm says, you know, compare the number of pitchers in softball versus baseball. Team softball does a, a good job chasing way other Otherwise, good pitchers, you know, because because most of them don't make it. I mean, you know, you have so many teams. You know, certainly, uh, certainly high school teams, and you know, I think college teams more and more are seeing the value of having pitching staffs. But but let's face it, you know, most of your you know most of your your college teams and, and high school teams for sure, and and some travel teams they live and die with you know just one or two pitchers, and and so you've got then these girls that have focused their whole, you know, everything around pitching and they're not, you know, they get on a, they eventually get to a level where, you know, they're not one of the, one of the stud pitchers. They're not playing, you know, some of those same coaches don't, you know, if you're not a, if you're a pitcher, you don't, you don't hit. Now, most people would argue that, Hey, if you can hit, they'll find a place for you. But, um, you know, that, that kind of, I think plays into the equation too, or, you know, there's there's eight other positions out there, and, and a DH, uh, DP, I should say, that uh, that are going to get to hit, and and you know, a lot of teams are just living with you know one or two pitchers, so that might chase some chase some talent away. Yeah, I mean, if you don't have the instructions, you know, the the coaches out there instructing, I I, I could understand why the numbers might not be what they used to now. I, Joe, I think you actually on the chat as guest yeah, twelve. I'm, I'm on the chat. I'm on the phone. I'm watching the All Star huh. game. I got various <laughs> things going on. Yeah, that that is actually Ron is the pitching coach I was talking about from the Columbus yeah. area. Yeah, I figured. Yeah, he. Yeah, he, you know, my daughter was a catcher, and he actually taught her how to how to pitch. 
uh, she wanted to learn how to pitch. Since she was a catcher, she wanted to understand her pitchers better. So she actually went to him for, which I told her, I said, this is awful crazy, but she wanted to, she wanted to learn how, how the pitchers thought. And, you know, and she thought she could learn more about being a catcher by being a pitcher. So, but we went to him quite a few times, and he said, I don't know if I've ever had a catcher want to do this before. <laughs> <laughs> but he was like, he was the one, you know, in Columbus, there was one since tonight, but he had only three really outstanding coaches, you know, pitching coaches that I was aware of. And, um, you know, when I was involved, and, you know, I would have to, I would imagine that the numbers ain't much bigger. So, you know, a lot of good comments made on the board, the fact that, you know, baseball, you know, takes a longer recovery time and stuff like that. But I tell you right now, uh, I think a lot of the West Coast teams, all of the West Coast teams have quite a few pitchers on their teams. I would say compared to teams back here, because I think, what talent we do have is a little bit more thinned out. Of course, that's that could be a whole other topic uh, to talk about. So, anything, any anything else you want? Any other direction you want to go with this discussion, Jeff? About where have all the pictures gone? Yeah, no, I think that's a good discussion. I mean, I you know, I, that, to me that was interesting. I mean, and I, and I do think, you know, I think there are some reasons for it. I, I think, you know, I think hearing Joe say, I mean. You know, to my point about sometimes it just seems that way. There, that could be partially true, but I mean, Joe makes a good point too to say, "Gosh, there's just not as many girls throwing as fast as there used to be." Um, you know, you know, part of that, you know, again, could be again the reasons might be because you know now they're hitting instead. But, but, um, but you know, I mean, that's that's kind of an absolute measurement. You know, if they're not throwing as fast, you know, they're not gonna they're not gonna you know, dominate at the at the at the upper level college game for sure. Yeah, you know, Joe, did you have anything else you wanted to comment on that or close up with on that? Not, not in particular. I mean, the uh, you know when it comes to the, do you throw? I mean, what's better, throwing fast or movement? Not, and of course you, you'd like everything, but I think, in my opinion, we've all over the last five or ten years gotten so far away from the idea that throwing hard is a good thing you know, everybody talks about movement and control that uh, I think it's gone too far you know I'm kind of looking for some hard throwers at this point <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean I, I don't care how much movement and control you have if you're throwing 55 you're going to get annihilated at the college level you know unless you're Jamie Moyer you know something ridiculous so yeah I mean the bad yeah. if you look at major league baseball as a comparison I mean the vast majority, and I think more now than ever, you've got, you've got, you know, staff. I know the Indians, for example, I follow them closely, and I don't know, they got, what, 12 pitchers, and I think, I think about eight or nine of them throw 95 or better. Um, you know, they have, they have a, a good pitching staff, and, and, you know, the movement's great, and, and both is, both is what makes the, the absolute best pitchers, but, but there's not very many 75, 80 mile an hour pitchers that are going to be successful at the top levels. Uh, in baseball, just like there's not going to be many, you know, 55 year old, 55 throwers that are going to be successful at 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 a at a competitive D1 level. Yeah, that's right. So now I have nothing else to add other than that, Ricky. All right. Well, you know, I think that was a good discussion to to wrap the show up on, and uh, you know, I appreciate everybody listening tonight. Of course, appreciate having Joe on board tonight, and you tonight, Jeff, and of course. 
if you want to listen to uh, play-by-play action from uh, Buffalo, New York, uh, this Sunday evening, uh, we'll be broadcasting. Hopefully, if the weather agrees with us and everything works out fine, uh, uh, we're going to be broadcasting another championship game this Sunday. So we hope you can tune in for that. With that said, everybody, it's time to grab your gear and your bags and get off the fields and head on home because this tournament's over and this radio show's over. Have a good weekend and take care. Goodbye. Good night.
Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.